Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett. How are you, mate? I'm very, very hot and sweaty. So here we are recording in the morning and it feels like I'm in Barbados or somewhere like that. But I'll take it. I don't like to complain about the weather. And of course, our football club is out on tour in some very, very hot conditions. And we'll be discussing them today. Do you reckon it's hotter in the UK than it is out there at the moment? Someone said this to me yesterday. They were like, they were like, you know, United have gone away for this warm weather training, you know, to get, get the miles in and to get the sweat levels up and the energy levels up. It feels like it's hotter here than anywhere else at the moment. But maybe that's just our Englishness. You know, we have one hot day of summer, the sun shines, and suddenly we think we're the hottest place on earth. Yeah, well, it's meant to be 43 degrees or 44 degrees in London next week. So God help us. I'm sure it's hotter in places like Barcelona. Well, Frankie uh, Frankie de Jong might know. He's back in Barcelona. John Murta and uh, Richard Arnold probably know as well. We'll talk about them uh, later in the show. You uh, you mentioned, Rob, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. This is before the Liverpool game. Uh, Obviously, there's a friendly in, in Thailand on Tuesday afternoon UK time. What we'll do is we'll look at that game in detail and the Melbourne friendly on Friday after the Melbourne game happens. So the podcast will be a few hours late, perhaps, on Friday, but we'll have some football to sink our teeth into then. Um, just a reminder, before I get into the topics of today, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube as well. So Join the community. Hit the like button, subscribe. Uh, we just passed a milestone, our first milestone on YouTube. Uh, keep the steam coming. Uh, if you haven't subscribed already, please do so. Uh, follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. Uh, today, we'll talk about Frankie de Jong, because that is never ending. It's 10 weeks worth of chasing now. And United are making public appearances to give the impression that the deal is close. We'll talk the latest on that. Uh, I, I do you see sports 10 reasons why De Jong isn't going to join United? Oh <laughs> sports oh 10 reasons why we're run by Barcelona as a publication. Yeah. Oh, so it, it's funny, it, it, I, you know, the, the major clubs obviously in the mainland in Europe, it does happen here as well, but certainly in, in the mainland over there, they have these mouthpieces that work directly to work their politics. So yeah, that was quite funny because as soon as they put that out, there was all sorts of countering articles coming out at the same time about the potential deal so it's it's it was also lol united not getting to young lol as if they've just found out now after 10 weeks i know united are bad in the transfer market but surely you don't think they'd invest as much time as they have in this deal if they thought that they'd get rejected 10 weeks down the line and I think, I think a lot of it, Scott, is about driving social media traffic as well. So, you know, when I've reported bits and pieces via my own Twitter and just put it out, you get a ton of comments back, obviously. And then we kind of have spend a little bit of time to sift through them. A lot of them are upset Barcelona fans. They're not Man United fans talking about how happy they are about Frankie de Jong. It's Barcelona fans going, who are you? Why have you got a tick? Etc. Etc. It's because they read things like sport. So, you know, it's just how it goes. It's, it's the kind of round house of, of media of the modern day. Um, but yes, the Frankie de Jong thing is, is never ending until it actually ends. So, as you said, Manchester United in Barcelona, quite publicly, Murto and Arnold, happy to be photographed, pretending to like be in a cafe and hiding away, but certainly not, and being snapped. And of course, that's gone around the world in the last 24 hours. Yeah, we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk De Jong in more detail in a second. Uh, we'll also talk on today's show after the De Jong section. Ten Hag's first presser, he admitted midfield and offense, as he put it, was uh, where he was looking to strengthen. There were ten questions, probably about seven on Ronaldo, which we'll talk about a little bit later. We'll talk about reports uh, from 
the time suggesting that Richard Arnold's actually trying to change Ronaldo's mind about leaving. We'll talk about Marcus Rashford and things we've noticed in training. We'll talk Ajax targets, Lisandro Martinez and Anthony. Maybe a bit of uh, Brian Brobby's on the agenda as well in the last few days as well, isn't he? But uh, it doesn't look like United will land him. And then, obviously, <laughs> on Friday, we'll talk about the actual football itself. But let's get back into Frankie de Jong. Uh, Rob, I think me and you are on the same page and have been for a while about where this deal stands. Like obviously, I just mentioned there that the mouthpiece of uh, Catalan football sport has put out over the weekend that Frankie de Jong doesn't want to make this move. I don't think it's any secret. He said it from the very beginning that he wants to stay at Barcelona. But that doesn't mean he wouldn't move if a deal were to come to pass. And I think we're, we're getting to that point now. As we mentioned, Richard Arnold and John Murta have been in Barcelona to talk to the likes of Jordi Cruyff and the Barcelona, I think, vice president was there and the sporting director too. Uh, there's some... Um, Issues with the deal that have meant that it's been held up over the past few days, and we've obviously spoken about that in the last few episodes as well. United have agreed a base fee. As far as we understand, it could end up costing them overall around 85 million euros. Uh, But the issue is that Barcelona owe 17 million pounds-ish in deferred wages to De Jong after the COVID pandemic. And Barcelona, obviously trying to juggle a bunch of things, reduce salary, sign seven new players... Uh, for ex- a lot of money, want to try and cut some corners where possible and they're looking for a little bit of help with those deferred wages, whether that comes from De Jong's camp or that United end up helping them in a financial sense to just push the deal over the line. As far as I understand, uh, it's been suggested elsewhere as well, United really want to do this or get the break the back of this deal this week. Uh, where do you think we stand with this, Rob? Yeah, they want to break the back of it this week. We're hearing the word Friday. So they they want to get this done simply because they've spent a lot of time on it. Um, So many of these points of this deal have been agreed over the last few weeks. It's It's not new. The issue has been Barcelona. Barcelona have gone about their business trying to buy everyone, going out into the marketplace, putting offers on the tables for players but not actually having the money in their bank account to do it. Now, this is, again, talking about mentions and stuff on Twitter. Lots of Barcelona fans kind of, again, messaging me directly saying, you you don't know anything about our football club. We've got no issues with money because we've done this, we've done that, we've done the other. And obviously, they're all sport readers again. But Barcelona are conducting themselves in quite a seriously bad manner at the moment. And not it's just awful, around... It's, yeah, it's not just about Frankie de Jong. And I, I think the whole thing, and this has come like directly from the players' camp, the way that they've treated de Jong like a piece of meat in all of this, when they owe him money... And he is... was nice enough to say, yes, I'll defer these wages. And this is exactly why I think Frankie de Jong might well have had enough at Barcelona. So you just mentioned there about what, what do we know about Frankie de Jong in Barcelona? He absolutely wanted to stay at the football club. Why is that? Both him and uh, his fiance are settled in Catalonia, very happy there. Barcelona were the club of his dreams. Obviously, when he was at Ajax, you know, he talked about that being the, the kind of team he wanted to play for. Let's be honest, again, his style very suited to Spanish football, maybe a little bit more so than the Premier League. Kind of always had overtures to Southern Europe as opposed to, say, maybe a Northern League like, like the Premier League. And I think that kind of when people have added all those things together, they're like, well, obviously there's no deal to be done here. But the deal is there because of Barcelona. The deal is there because Barcelona went out into the marketplace and said, who wants Frankie de Jong? Manchester United said, we do. They they came to a fee really quickly. That was done quickly. They knew how much United had to pay, obviously, for de Jong's services. And de Jong spoke to Ten Hag. This could have all been done weeks ago and finished because Dion has decided that he will leave if he can't agree to something with Barcelona. So let's see what happens now, because I think a lot of this does go on these deferred wages now, because if they don't want to pay him it, what does Dion do? Does he take Barcelona to court? Does he come up with an agreement over a five-year period to get his 20-odd million back? I don't know. I don't know how you do it. But what we do know is that he can't move to a new club without it being decided. So it could be a case that Manchester United help out and maybe pay some of that wages, either by giving him a salary increase or maybe a, a nicer signing-on fee, something like that. But Ali Derson, his uh, his agent, has been in Manchester all of last week to conclude the, the Malaysia deal. Uh, he's also the agent, obviously, of Victor Lindelof and Donny van der Beek. 
And he's been basically with John Murto for the last seven days. So Manchester United now in Barcelona, publicly showing their faces. I think we'll find out one way or the other where this deal's going to go. We're not saying it will definitely happen. I mean, no. Barcelona may... Barcelona doing things in the transfer market that people don't, don't think are even possible. So maybe they'll magic some money out of somewhere and then De Jong, because he, he, he does want to stay. And we've never made a... He's never made a secret of that. We've never made a secret of that on this show either. Mm-hmm. But it looks like Bar- Barcelona need De Jong out as far as it stands to fund or to give them room to buy players like Rafinha, Robert Lewandowski, etc. Absolutely. So, you know... And the, and the, and, the, and the kind of the latest information from Barcelona directly is that Xavi likes the player, has talked about the player positively, but doesn't really want the player. You know, when he looks at his midfield and what he's getting, he likes the you know he would use De Jong in his squad, but he'd be a very very expensive squad player, wouldn't he? So you know, if you if you you owe this guy best part of twenty million, and his way, I think he has a wage increase for this year as well due. So this is the yeah, other does, side of the yeah. point is that his contract will trigger a wage increase. So they can't pay the wage that he's on at the moment in the last year. So they're now going to trigger his 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 wage to go up another another gear, but put him on the bench. When you've got Gavi, Frank Kessie, Busquets, Pedri, who's just been given Iniesta's shirt number. Huge yeah. deals on them as well. Like not, not just kind of bit part players or young players, kind of you're just keeping there to fluff along with your squad. These are players who are going to be starters. This is the bottom dollar. So where does Frankie de Jong play? You know, and I think the Frank Kessie one for us was the was the milestone. If if they got over that, if they actually got Kessie sorted, which they have now done, then it really left de Jong's position at the football club precarious. Uh, Rob, like I, I think that this de Jong deal will get done. I think it will. I have heard uh, other fans frustrated with it taking 10 weeks saying just sign someone else just sign someone else move on other targets i completely disagree with that i don't know where you stand on this but i think as i've kind of said uh, all along since uh, it became clear who ten hag was targeting and you see a common theme with all the players that ten hag is targeting they all he's he's worked with them all before apart from malasia who he knows from the dutch league has the qualities that he's looking for in a left back Mm-hmm. I think De Jong is so pivotal to United's new style of play working in the first season that I don't think they can sign an alternative. I, I look, I, Ruben Neves, yeah, sure, good player, but it's going to take him time to get up to speed. I think De, what the way that De Jong plays and his qualities, I think, is so important to the way that Ten Hag wants to play. And I don't think, I, I actually think they have to do this deal, whichever way it comes out. Well, this is the crux because what Manchester United are trying to do is to work with the wishes of their new coach. So I've said this before that United are normally quite good at that in year one, that they the manager says, I want this, this, this and this, and they try and go and get it. And I think with, um, with Ten Hag, the players that Ten Hag's put on the table in terms of names, they're all very gettable, even Frankie de Jong, especially when his club are the ones going out into the marketplace trying to shop him. So... You can go and get this deal done. But like what you said there, I think it's real key. You talked about Ruben Neves because I get asked this a lot because I, I broke a story before about Ruben Neves and the, and the interest of Man United. And that interest has been there for about two years. It's not a new thing. but That's Ruben, interest from the people within the club, by the way. That is, Yeah, you know. Ruben, exactly. Ruben, Ruben Neves, being honest, is not as good as Frankie de Jong. Like, he isn't. But you're probably going to have to pay the same, if not more, for his services because you're taking him from a Premier League team, just the way it is. So Wolves did not conclude their midfield business that they wanted to a few weeks ago. And again, we said that was key to that deal. And Ruben Evers is going nowhere at the moment. So you could go back and revisit that. Um, you just said there again about you know fans saying, just move on, just move on. This is not football manager, people. You can't just do it and flick a switch. These talks are are ongoing and you normally will have 10 players on the spin at one time, you know, that you're looking at, that you're inquiring about, you're talking to agents, you're having meetings, you're finding prices, you're looking at contracts, all the legality of it, et cetera, et cetera. I think with Frankie de Jong is that Manchester United feel they can get the player because the player has spoken to Ten Hag, because the agent wants to move his player out of Barcelona now because of the way Barcelona conducted their business. And Manchester United have very publicly gone to Catalonia and said, here we are. You know, this is our faces. You know who we are. And we're doing this very publicly. They would not be doing that 
unless they really thought that the deal was on the table ready to be signed. So Laporte, as I said last week, I called him a liar. He is a liar. He's a politician. He will say whatever he needs to, to, to remain as president and the populist god of Barcelona Football Club. And he would just say all sorts of things until stuff gets done. He said it about Lionel Messi, didn't he? You know, and then Lionel Messi left the football club. Renewed so, until 2026, I think you said. Yeah, so, so De Jong is just a, a player in, in terms of importance for Barcelona Football Club, way down the list in terms of their project. Not really. A, they're playing with Manchester United. They do realise that this creates hits and clicks. They're quite happy to be part of that. Um, but they now, they've now got to decide because Man United don't want to just move on. But United have got other targets, and it's a case of, right, who, where do we put our energy now? This week, they're going to try and get De Jong done. And I think if it doesn't get done, then there's every chance United say to Ten Hag, we did our best, we agreed a fee, the player wanted to come, we agreed wages, and Barcelona messed us around so we can't get him. And then I think Ten Hag would say, OK, I get that, no problem, let's move on. So I think there's a kind of constructive timeline here that will continue to be followed to the end of this week. I do think it, with that though as well. It's so, sorry, my dishwasher's going off. I don't know if you can hear it beeping. Uh, I do think that with this one, the potential egg on the face of Murtagh and Arnold if they don't get it done, I think will drive them to do it. Personally, I, I I think that they will stop at nothing to get this one done. I think that's the way they should act with this. And I only say it about Frankie De Jong because he's the player that they've chased for ten weeks or however long it's been. If this was another player, I'd say change targets. But I think the the qualities that De Jong has, I think it's so important to Ten Hag. But we'll see. Maybe th- this week is crucial, obviously. Definitely. And I, I said that like, with De Jong, I think he's a really, really great player and someone who can build your midfield around. Will he be in, entirely effective for Manchester United on day one in the Premier League? I don't know. And that's just a stylistic question. It's more about what all the other moving parts on the football pitch are doing and how De Jong can help them and how they can help De Jong. Um, Are there other targets out there? Yes, there are. You know, you can go and do other business. But like you said there, the egg on the face thing, there is this thing with the Man United PR machine that they want to be shown to being in control all of the time of all their faculties and being the biggest football club in the world. There's this little kind of playoff here with Barcelona, isn't it? It's It's a global competitor in terms of commerce and should be on the football pitch. But I think that now they've turned up in Spain and deliberately kind of put their feet on Spanish soil for the cameras, that's a big statement of intent. And I think they've got that from Ali Dursen. Ali Dursen's been with them all of last week at Carrington, talking about his own players. They would not be doing that unless they'd had those conversations. <laughs> De Jong has said publicly that he thinks Barca's the biggest club in the world. I think I might be paraphrasing a little bit there, but he has said that. I and I've said it on this show. I think that I don't doubt that United will get him to say that United are actually the biggest club in the world if he does end up joining in this. And do you know what? Yeah, there's also some former comments. Well, it's quite interesting that, that have, have been around. I was kind of researching the other day. Ali Dursen talking about the move from Ajax to Barcelona, and he was saying at the time how unprofessional he and De Jong thought they were in terms of how they were conducting their business and then eventually they got the offer they had the phone call got the offer an amazing offer of course which is still there today just so happens they haven't been paying him that wage have they so there's a lot of this here i think one uh spanish newspaper described it as the player believing that barcelona were declaring war on him can't say which journalist actually said that but that was kind of the headline in Spain and that's very interesting because I think that is how the camp feels at the moment is that Barcelona have just used Young in all of this because they're looking for a load of cash yeah they do need to strengthen other other positions but midfield is not a position they are lacking in quality in nope uh De Jong is probably the biggest asset they have that they were willing to sell in terms of what transfer fee they can command how much salary they'll save etc et mm-hmm. so we'll see over the next few days uh but Let's move on to Eric Ten Hag's first press conference because he confirmed, he was asked about De Jong uh, by travelling journalists on the preseason tour of uh, Thailand and Australia. United play Liverpool uh, after this podcast today. We're recording just before it. And he did confirm that midfield was the primary objective to strengthen. Obviously, he was asked about De Jong specifically, but rolled out the cla- the old classic. I don't talk about players from other clubs. Uh, Christian Eriksen is has been on the verge of joining for a while. I think the hopes are that he'll join the preseason tour when they land in Australia. 
pending a medical. De Jong is the other target, obviously, and Ten Hag has made it clear that midfield and offense are the areas he's looking to strengthen. There's Andrew Martinez, Anthony, Ericsson, etc., all on the targets list. Didn't mention the defense, though, and Lisandro Ma- Martinez is a defender. So does that give you an inkling? I think... No, I think the reason why he said that in that tone and in that exact direct way is because he probably thinks he's got his his defence sorted because Martinez will be coming. So Martinez wants to leave Ajax, Manchester United want him, Ten Hag wants him, all the things are aligned. So I think that's why in that presser yesterday he was very specific about, I want to strengthen my midfield and my attack now. That's kind of what he said, paraphrasing. Um, but yeah, Martinez, you're right, obviously can play defensive midfield. But I do believe that Ten Hag has vocally said before during the Ajax time that that he doesn't think that Martinez is the greatest defensive midfielder, though obviously he can do that. He can do obviously lots of different things. So uh, I've just thought of the, he's confirmed Harry Maguire is still captain, obviously. So yes. I think I might roll that into this section, Rob, because as far as we understand it, 90 min, uh, Ajax are digging their heels in. They've sold Sebastian Allaire, as we've said. They've sold Ryan Gravenberg to Bayern. They've raised a lot of money. They signed Steven Bergvine. Uh, potentially a replacement for Ante. I don't know. I don't know where they intend on playing him, but they've raised their price on both players, as far as I'm, as far as I understand it. And the total package of the two is like 140 million euros. That's like mm. setting their store like because they don't need to sell. It's not to say that the deal can't get done for less than that, but that's where United are encountering some problems. They've put a, an offer in of 50 million euros inclusive of add-ons at the weekend, I think, which is more than what Arsenal have offered. Arsenal's still in the mix, but not currently at the table. Uh, and Martinez is not best pleased. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think, Rob, you kind of said that you think he'll push this one through, didn't you? Yes. And and I think quite often, I think, with clubs from outside the, the really major leagues or like the Premier League and La Liga, Holding on to your players is all well and good. But when, you know, the bright lights come calling, players either kind of completely react to it or they do say what um, what Timber did recently. And Timber said, no, do you know what? Quite happy here. Want to play at World Cup. Don't really want to do this yet. I'll do it in a year or so. I'm a young player. I think with Martinez, again, he's part of that sect of Ten Hag players that love Ten Hag. So again, we may not be able to get this deal over the line without Ten Hag at the football club. Probably not. It'd be a much more difficult deal. But all of these conversations are going on behind closed doors. So Martinez does want to come to the Premier League. We again compared it to Darwin Nunes from a few weeks ago where the agent said he's going to the Premier League one way or the other. We know Arsenal have a significant interest in Martinez. But I do think that Ten Hag really is the, the kind of key component here. And that Martinez wants to wants to play for him again. Same with Anthony. So I don't think Manchester United are going to pay anywhere near that kind of fee. But I think it's also a lot about the player. So I'll compare it to the Jadon Sancho deal with Dortmund, where Jadon Sancho wanted to go to Manchester United, but was not willing to kind of kick and scream about it. So it took a year and United got the fee down from 108 million to, what was it, 70, something like that, a year later. I don't think this is the same situation. Martinez is going to be playing in the Premier League in a few weeks' time. It's just whether it will be for Arsenal or Manchester United. And if Martinez doesn't get a move this year, United will probably go back for Timber next year. Just This uh, is how it works. This know. is the whole thing. So, so he might, if he doesn't do it now, you know, he might not get it. Uh, so, yeah, Anthony is in the same boat, I think. He's obviously priced pretty high. I think he is on the agenda, but later, to be honest. Uh, but let's talk about Harry Maguire as captain, because... <laughs> why is Harry Maguire continuing to be captain is the initial reaction to this because Ten Hag has confirmed he said it in a in a manner where I thought didn't seem to think that that would be that was a long-term thing but it has been interpreted as he's captain for the, re- the remainder of the season for the season ahead um what do you think that says about his position in the team in the squad etc and Obviously, Rafa Varane has missed the training session. So did Maguire yesterday on, on Monday. Uh, Rafa Varane injury problems are cropping up. Do you think we're looking at a potential Maguire-Martinez centre-back pairing? For the, how, how do you think this works? How, what do you think the makeup of the defence will be? 
Well, in terms of the captainship, like for our show here, we kind of have, I think, two philosophical football audiences. We have our UK audience and our international audience. So I think those from outside of the UK just do not have the same stigma around captaincy as we do in as we do in England. So we see this all of the time where Eric Ten Hag, obviously a guy from Holland, where the captaincy just generally goes to one of your most senior players. It's not a, it's not a huge thing. And I think that's kind of how he described it yesterday. He said, he's already the established captain at football club. I've got no issues with that. I'm not even kind of thinking about it. And we carry on. And I think that's how it will work with Harry Maguire. And are you just saying they're positionally, what, what will they do? It does depend a lot on Lissandra Martinez. And it does depend a lot on Rafael Varane's injury problems you know what we do know is that Rafferan is still struggling on the tour you know he's still got issues that worries me I, I, you know I'll, I'll put that straight out there because I think with Varane even at 28 29 years old being a kind of Rolls-Royce type defender it's no good if that Rolls-Royce hasn't got an engine so will Harry Maguire play on the right hand side of the defense if you buy Lissandra Martinez maybe or maybe you'll play Victor Lindelof there so Lindelof and Martinez might actually be a more stylistic kind of combination. And you might find that Maguire does end up being a backup on that left-hand side. You just As do captain? not know at the moment. You, you could still be club captain at a football club. Like, you know, Mark Noble, ask him at West Ham. You don't have to play every week. So I think this is, again, where English football fans get really entrenched in this. Where is our Roy Keane? Where is our Roy Keane? Where is our Brian Robson? It's not really how modern football is, certainly not when your coaches and your manager are from outside of the UK. So this is not the Fergie days where you had a Scotsman running the football club. This is now a Dutchman and it's a Dutch style of thinking. So it, Harry Maguire could still be the captain, still on the bench. And, and what do you do? You just give the you just give the armband to Ronaldo if he's there, or you give it to Bruno Fernandes. And there's no drama because the drama should be, Scott, about the flipping football should be how good you're playing and not who's got an armband on shouting and screaming. How good can you be on a football pitch as opposed to all of the political stuff that goes with, I think, what English football becomes obsessed with? Expense, most expensive club captain at 29, I think, in football history. Uh, taking the Ashley Young role, <laughs> taking the Gary Neville role uh, when he was at the end of his career sitting on the bench in, or in a stand, in the stands, in a suit, costing 80 million, 80 million quid. I don't know. Everybody, everybody understands that the world record fee is a little bit of a joke for Harry Maguire. We all understand that. But that's not Harry Maguire's fault. That's not Eric Ten Hag's fault. It's just what it is. So Ten Hag would have to decide now, will he use the player or not? And I think this is kind of just the, the kind of crossroads that he stands at with all of the players. So it would be bad timing, wouldn't it, just to say, oh, no, Harry Maguire is not my captain. That's not going to help the player play well, is it? So you've got this footballer. And I do think that Ten Hag genuinely believes that he's a decent defender. You know, he's talked a lot so, about right. his, Eng he's mm -hmm. talked about his England uh, performances and what he did at United 12 months before, obviously uh, during Ole's last full season, which was really successful. So Ten Hag's going to try and tap into that first before he comes in with a kind of metaphorical gun, kind of saying to people, right now I'm going to do this because I'm the new coach making a stand. I think he wants to develop players. And that's the kind of coach I actually want at Man United. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm loosely quoting Ten Hag here, but he did some <laughs> club media. Uh, you know, he did a two-part interview at the back end of last week, I think, mm. or maybe over the weekend, and said something along the lines of, no, he was talking about young players, but mm. he said... Every player who plays must deserve their place. It doesn't matter about their status or anything else. It's, I will pick the best players. Yep. And he also it. said in that same interview, which I really liked, and I, I put this out on Twitter, um, he said, we've got to be brave on the ball, but we have got to work harder off it. He said, and that's what I feel I'll be teaching these boys. And I thought, mm, interesting, because when you c come into a football club and you see the players and the sect and what they do, if you're at a club like Manchester United, you should be able to expect that these players do, do all right on the ball. They should be OK on the ball. Now, we know that's not always been the case at United. But I do think that the tactical side of it has been that United haven't had a lot of off-ball tactics. And that hurts you to be able to select the pass. So I think that if you if you fix that bit, you might find that, you know, Scott McTominay doesn't lose the ball as much and Fred doesn't lose the ball as much because other players are showing for them. There's no doubt, I think, with United that that has been a problem for years is that players kind of go, well, I'm not involved in this play. 
So I'll just kind of have a jog on the wing, you know, because I'm not involved here. And you need to have a team that's wholly engaged all the time. So like you're saying there about the young players, if a young player shows it in training, I think that young player will get promoted to the first team. Yeah, it, it harks back to a point I've... I, I've spoken about the lens that I'm looking at United through and I tweeted about it yesterday as well. Everybody is caught up in United being awful uh, from the back end of last season. Yeah. But as much as you want to blame the players for down in tools, because I think they did. They did. I'm not going to say that they didn't. They didn't try. And fans hold that against them, obviously. And I, of course. Yeah, maybe you should, because obviously they're playing for Man United. But at the same time, if you look at it from the players' side, they had a coach they didn't like. They had disarray above them. They had no they had arguments within the camp. Uh, you're looking at these players and, and talking about how Anthony Martial is useless. Two years ago, he scored 17 Premier League goals or some, something along those lines. Marcus Rashford is useless. A few years ago, he was one of the most promising players in English football and has had injury problems for two years. And now people are judging these players through the lens of last season and the last few years of which... And, and everyone will hold their hand up and say, they haven't been coached properly, though. So, yeah. like, what are you? Which which one is it? Are they bad players, or have they not been coached properly? And, and this is again kind of where we are in in the, in the modern game, isn't it? Like you just we talked today about Ten Hag and the, and his comments about Harry Maguire and the captaincy, and immediately there was a little bit of a tidal wave of a push against it. Of Ten Hag doesn't know what he's doing. Well, this is before we've seen any football played, and. Eric Ten Hag arrives at Manchester United with a very, very good record and as a champion. So, you know, I think he does know what he's doing. It's just a case that you need to give him time and you have to kind of, as a fan, I think, set back what the things that you feel and not kind of apply them to what you believe you know. Go and watch the football first. Get excited about that. Enjoy that. And let's see what happens. This is not a bad set of players. I do blame them for what happened last year, but I really do blame the ownership for bringing in someone like Ralph Ranick that needed a very st- different style of squad and basically cutting his legs off from day one. So saying you're the king of the Gagan press, the person who influenced uh, the high press for uh, for the likes of Tuchel, Nagelsmann, uh, Klopp, etc., etc. But do you know what? We're not going to help you with that. So you're going to fail and then we'll blame you. Then we'll sack you and then we'll move on to the next manager. That's on the Glazers. So I think that that's where fans need to keep their irie or kind of their focus on how the, how the football club is run as opposed to maybe just individuals. Because this is the whole point. A footballer in one system can look absolute garbage and in another system look world-class. It's just mm-hmm. what it is. And we need to see now the systems that Eric Ten Hag's got up his sleeves because he can play different ways. We've already seen in the training here for pre-season before the Liverpool game, Maybe United are going to do 4 3 3 this year. They've been practicing it. They've been setting up like that. So that's really interesting. So will he use it in the opening games of the tour? We will see. Um, but this is what you've got to wait for. Wait, people. Don't get upset about stuff that you can't control. You know, let's see what these players can do because you can't get rid of all of them simply because they've failed in a previous 12 months. Nailed it. <laughs> you, you can't get, they, they can't sack them all. They, they literally can't. Uh, and Ten Hag is a, has a good reputation as a coach, has lofted players well above their ability uh, with his coaching in uh, Ajax in the Champions yeah. League in the past. Uh, and yeah, United have a few players who've not hit the heights of their potential over the last few years too. So let's let's look at it through a different lens. Let's refresh as much as it, as painful as it might be to get last season out of the system. Remember it, but don't don't carry that bad energy around. I know I know that you want to every every right to be frustrated at the Glazers, but do you want to carry that negative energy and just take all of the enjoyment out of football that you get and not give them another chance? Because that, like it or not, they're getting another chance. So just get on board with it. That's what I think. Totally. Anyway, anyway uh, talking about getting another chance and training systems and this kind of stuff, obviously we'll see what happens in the Liverpool game. Uh, Jaden Sancho was spotted in a training clip on the right side, Marcus Rashford on the left nodding in a header from a Jaden Sancho cross with Anthony Martial through the middle. You pointed out, uh, you pointed out, Rob, I don't know why, why I said, I was going to say mob then, I'm not sure. Uh, you pointed out, Rob, <laughs> that Marcus Rashford's looking in good nick. Yeah. What do you think? It, look, look, well, he's done exactly what all the other guys have done, put training videos out. He had a trainer out with him on holiday. 
and kind of running up steps like Rocky, you know, doing all of that stuff for social. It makes a nice little viral clip. But he looks in incredible shape, like just physically, just to the eye. And that's that's a start, isn't it? Because I think with Marcus last year, one of the things that kind of got regurgitated this week about Rashford and maybe Ranić and his relationship with that coach was that Ranić truly believed that Marcus could do it, was doing it in training, but there was some mental disconnect between doing it in training and doing it in matches. And Ranić couldn't figure that out in the time that he was there. Just couldn't really get couldn't get there. Now we've just said there that Manchester United team did kind of down tools I think that is accurate I also think there was lots of politics going on in the dressing room around say Ronaldo the senior players Rashford's part of that and maybe younger players but I think with Rashford he's key to this team working because of what he is to Manchester United and that he is a kind of young statesman of the football club he is a Mancunian he is a Man United fan I hear all the time from United supporters oh we don't care about that stuff that's not important but you know what? When you're building a club, it is really important. People that actually genuinely love the fabric of the football team and the club. You can see Marcus Rashford's gone away and got fit. And, and all the stuff that's come out of his mouth in the last week as well, about Ten Hag, the training sessions, it's all been real blue sky stuff. It's been like, ready for it. This is what I want. I want a new start. I want fresh. I want new tactics. I want to be taught. I want a coach to help me. And let's be honest, no coach has helped these guys for a year. Since Ole walked out the door and between the Ranić era, it's all been political. It's all been about the dressing room. It's always been about sniping and who's staying and who's going and who's not good enough. The fans have attacked the players nonstop. That's the problem with social media is that players do see all of this. Anthony Martial knows all of you lot hate him. That's a problem. You know, if you want him to play well. You need to love some of your players and just give them some of that. And I think with Rashford, he knows that this is probably not his last chance, but his biggest chance to get back on track in the immediacy. Yeah, I mean, hopeful that Rashford, Martial, etc. Rashford is probably, well, he's one of the most, if not the most senior uh, academy graduate in the squad. Now I'm trying to think. Jesse Lingard mm. and Paul Pogba have obviously left. Uh, so Rashford's always been pretty high profile, but now yeah. is like like you say, Rob. Is now now is such an important season for Marcus Rashford to get back on track under a coach who can probably improve him more than any of the coaches that United have had in the past. But yeah, and I lost. You know, what? I lost count the amount of times at the end of last season that I heard fans say to me directly, "Oh, Marcus, you know, he's a good player when he's on it, but you know, he's been wasting his time helping feed the children." I heard that constantly yeah, same, yeah. that that was a thing that that is reality but this is how maybe you know we're kind of going into deeper political debates here of the uk and how people think but people are actually thinking that that his football is affected by him having a public twitter conversation with government about school meals and stuff like that it's not real i think what is real is that manchester united were a really badly run football club and it affected multiple players dozens of them you know they weren't able to find their form all at the same time so I think there's still plenty of hope for Marcus Rashford because he's not a bad footballer and he does care and I think when you've got those two things together a little bit of direction maybe a puppet master to help these players to kind of say you know what you do this well but you don't do that as well let's work on this this week that's going to help him so much need to give them some time as well it's not all going to pick up very very like that and they've said this themselves as well Mm. Uh, so if they get hammered by Liverpool or if they don't win their first game in the Premier League convincingly I know it's it's hard renewing the patience every single year but I think Mm. it's required again Uh, anything you want to say I'm going to just going to say on the back of that good thing we're talking about the Liverpool game now one good thing that I liked what Ten Hag said uh, yesterday was he said we're going out this season to win every game he said, I don't care if it's a friendly, I don't care if it's a small match, a big match, Premier League match, a European match. That's the mindset. Now, I don't think that was the mindset last year. I think last year it was all just embroidered about, oh, can United get top four? And the players go in, we might be able to get top four, but can I be bothered? You know, so there was a lot of that last year. I think this manager will keep all of that on track. This manager also wants to keep Ronaldo. Uh, he said in his press conference... He is not for sale about 20 times. <laughs> uh, yeah. let's, talk, let's talk about it because we spoke about the press conference earlier on about the targets that he's looking at in midfield and offense, etc. Mm-hmm. But the press conference was dominated 
by Cristiano Ronaldo questions. Ten Hag was <laughs> short. I think but that's that's what we come to expect from him. You know, yeah. he doesn't really need to say any more than he did, really. Nope. Uh, and he was probed and asked conti- about probably about six or seven questions on Ronaldo out of ten questions or whatever it was. You know, he wants to keep him. Ronaldo's camp have made it public that they would like to find a new challenge because of no Champions League, etc. I don't think the offers that Ronaldo expected are coming in quite as quickly as he'd have hoped. And we'll roll in a, a report from the Times here as well that Richard Arnold has apparently spoken to George Mendes to try and convince Ronaldo to change his mind and Ronaldo's camp are impressed. So is this... Can we see Ronaldo potentially going back on what he said and just reintegrating at some point? Yes, and it's all about the timeline. So where were we, where are we now, and where can we be in the in the not-so-distant future? Um, Cristiano got his pay cut to £360,000 a week, obviously due to Manchester United not being in the Champions League. Not very happy about that. Suddenly he wants to go to Chelsea, he wants to go to Barcelona, he wants to go anywhere else that will pay him his wage. Now, where are we? Do we stand today? Well, Mendes has a very good relationship with Manchester United anyway, as it stands. But obviously, Richard Arnold has taken over. Richard Arnold is trying to position himself as the anti-Ed Woodward. He really is. He's trying to be not man of the people, but he's trying to be, you know, I am a business don. I know what I'm doing. And I actually think that's being appreciated. So I think agents like that, I think other football clubs like that. You Manchester United now seem to have a structure that mirrors the top clubs in terms of a director of football, a CEO, et cetera, et cetera. We haven't had that, have we, in the previous years? So will he stay at Manchester United? You just said they're about offers. Chelsea have just chucked a load of money at Raheem Sterling, and I believe that that's kind of where they're going. They know and they want a doing. right winger as well. Obviously, they've been after the, Rafinha, Serge Gnabry. Yeah. They've just got rid of Romelu Lukaku and moved his wage, and all 100% because the manager doesn't want that style of striker. And we said this about Cristiano. Why would you then buy a striker who is like that, but older, slower? Yeah, he scores lots of goals. He's not going to help Kai Havertz, is he? So this is the whole thing. It's about it's about buying pieces that, that help your team work. Ronaldo would, could score 30 or 40 goals at Chelsea next year, and Chelsea could come seventh. It's the truth. It's just how it is. It's what I said about United 12 months ago. I said Ronaldo scored tons of goals and you come outside the Champions League. Exactly what happened. So I don't think that the Chelsea uh, market is there for him now. And I think the Barcelona market is fading simply because Barcelona seems to be wanting to buy everyone. Now, how do you pay Cristiano Ronaldo half a million pound a week when you literally have no money? So I think that those are the two main clubs for him. There's a chance maybe to go to the MLS eventually, but that's not on now. You know, in 12 months' time... If, if you're making a bone about not playing in the Champions League, would you go to MLS? I, I don't think he's making a bone about the Champions League. I think it's make-believe. I think this is all for the story and for the move. I think it's about the wage. So this is his last year, potentially, of earning the super elite wage, you know, the half a million pound upwards wage. Yes, he's got, I think, a lifetime billion pound contract uh, with uh, with his kit, supp- uh, his kit supplies with Nike, isn't it? I think for, for his lifetime, he's not going to be out of money, is he? But Cristiano Ronaldo is a business and a footballer. So he understands that. He gets all of those things. So this year is an important year for him. He does want to win. He wants to be at a club. He doesn't want to be doing what he did 12 months ago at Manchester United. But he's also got to take responsibility for it, Scott. I'm not giving Ronaldo a pass because he's Ronaldo. If you stay at the football club, do what Ten Hag tells you to do, score goals, help the team, and keep this a little bit more quiet in terms of how you leak stuff, and let's move forward for the next year. Because I think he's damaging his legacy the way he's been the last week or two. Yeah, people will say he's not really said anything publicly, but we know enough about what's going on behind the scenes. So, yes, there's a very good chance that Ronaldo stays at the football club because I don't think anyone else is going to pay him anywhere near what Manchester United have been paying him. And there just isn't that opportunity for him. Does he want to play in the Champions League? Yes, but I don't think it's about that. Do you think if Ronaldo does change his mind uh, and ends up staying, do you think his position in Ten Hag's team... Is any do you think his stature or his standing in Ten Hag's plans has changed at all? Do you think let's say Ronaldo didn't make this noise? Was he automatic has to start every game up front? Now he's made that noise double cross Ten Hag in a sense, 
And now Ten Hag's going to look at him and say, no, you're going to play a squad role. You'll play when I tell you to, and you'll like it. And I think that that might be exactly how it goes. So we, we did tactical shows before Ten Hag was confirmed. We looked at kind of different managers, who fits who, you know, what would Manchester United try to do? Ten Hag's system, the way Ten Hag plays, Cristiano Ronaldo does not fit his system at all. Not in any of the metrics. The only metric that fits is goals. He does score goals, but he just doesn't do the work because he's an old man and it's not his game. He, he, he wasn't good at it, Scott, when he was at Man United the first time as a kid. You know, Sir Alex has said so many times we had literally kind of like nine outfield players working for Cristiano. Cristiano well, play him go, up front centrally because he wouldn't play him up back. front in the end or play him on the left and give him a free role. And everyone else, Wayne Rooney having to drop into a more of a kind of deeper midfield role to look after Ronaldo's work. So that's how it worked at that point. Then Man United have to decide in the next year do they want to play lip service Cristiano, pay him, sell the shirts? And in a year's time, we all go, well, Ten Hag's first season failed because Ronaldo scored 30 goals and United came fifth. Now, that is on the table. I think that could happen. But I don't think Ten Hag's going to let that happen. I think Ten Hag will say to Cristiano, like he already has, you're part of my plans. I think you're a world-class striker. But this is how we play football. And if you don't play football like that, you'll be rotated in and out. Now, I actually think that's what Ronaldo needs. I don't think he you, needs to be the automatic starter. <laughs> pay him half a million pound a week. Pay him £360,000 a week. Doesn't matter what you're paying him. That's on the Glazers now. But it's about usage. So if he can give you 25 goals off the bench with reduced minutes, but you can go and win more football matches and you come comfortably top four and say get to an FA Cup final and do well in the Europa, jobs are done. Ronaldo leaves in 12 months. Big hugs, big kisses. Goodbye, Cristiano. Thank you for a time at the football club again. And now we go and get a striker that we actually need and can use. That's why I think someone like Anthony is key in this, because I think it's the balance of the attack. If Rashford does play through the middle, if Martial plays through the middle, and you've got them maybe uh, stronger, wider players, the service is there, the youth is there, the impact is there. Then you can say to Cristiano, yeah, do you know what? Go and do what you do well. But we can't just have a team that just looks after Ronaldo. We can't do that in the modern game. City won't be doing it for Haaland. I'm telling you that now. And if Lewandowski goes to any of the other big clubs anywhere like that, people won't be doing it for Lewandowski. They won't be. You've got to work with your team. You can't just turn up, you know, posture, pout, do your Sue celebration and think that pays the bills. It doesn't pay the bills. You end up fifth and people will get sacked for it. Yeah, I mean, agree with you. Ask Ole. Yeah. Found out firsthand. I mean, Ronaldo, I think I've made this comparison before with, I know he's a different position, but he's the same age. Thiago Silva doesn't play every game for Chelsea and everyone thinks Thiago Silva is amazing at at being a centre-back. He still is. He's still very good. He's had some blips here and there, but if you can rest Ronaldo and make sure you're managing his legs properly, managing his engine properly, giving him minutes here and there where he needs to and optimizing his fitness rather than just putting him out there to stand there the entire time. I think and he, he looked knackered last year. Mm. He looked knackered in games. Like I was watching him and at 70 minutes in, he looked like he was 50 years old. He looks like me. You know, I was like, you know, he looks decrepit on that football pitch. And it was like, that shouldn't be like that. You know, you've got to find a way to look after him and to try and stage manage the football matches. And this is why I am okay with having a Martial back in the squad. I'm okay with Rashford playing through the middle because it's about now, isn't it? And finding these ways, it would have been loads better if Cristiano was on this tour. He could have helped and been part of this. Now, we're not going to say why he isn't on the tour. That's not not really of interest. I think now for Ten Hag, it's finding all the solutions to this Rubik's Cube. Ronaldo will be part of that. I do kind of feel he will stay. But if he goes, I'm not worried about that. I've, I've heard some pundits yeah. and some United people say he is essential to next season. I don't know what football club you watch. I really, really do not know that because he's not essential to next season. you just got to make sure that if he goes, that you find your solutions. Yeah, and I think I'll I'll come back to a point that I've made recently with my Paul Pogba. As much as I rated Paul Pogba, he was his profile was at times bigger, a bigger issue than the United team as a whole. Ronaldo is in the same. Ronaldo's one of the greatest players of all time. Of course, mm-hmm. his 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 profile is massive. United need to address that. He, there's n- no player in this Ten Hag system can be bigger or more important than Ten Hag system and the team. 
And I think if Ronaldo's managed into that, if he decides to stay, if he ends up staying, I think it's going to have to be that way. Uh, and if he leaves, you rid yourself of that high-profile problem and you can move on. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see what develops in the next few weeks. Rob, I'm going to wrap up in a second. Anything you would like to say before we, before we shoot? No, uh, I'll say something about training again from the training clips. Because it's been quite interesting, haven't they? All the viral stuff United have been putting out. We knew they would, but I really like the one that, that got put out, I think, uh, yesterday. I think it was by, is it by Simon Stone of BBC? He put it out where uh, when a goal was put in, that the, the team the goal was against had to get down and give them 10. Push-ups, so they yeah. all dropped and did, did their 10 push-ups like they were in the United States Marine Corps or something like that. I think I quite like that because, again, it's just all about discipline, isn't it? And it's a it's a new methodology. That's not something you would have seen Ole do. You might have seen Ralph Ranić do it, even though no one listened to Ralph. But this is all about building responsibility and physicality. So uh, did Cristiano do that? Not quite sure. Would he do it? Say, Cristiano, get down and give me 10 because you're on the team that's I'm losing. sure he'd love the opportunity to take his shirt off and do a few push-ups. And get I'm sure punch. Yeah, I'm sure he'd like to take his shirt off. I'm not sure about the push-ups. So uh, we'll see. So this is all good now. Like, I think we've got games coming up and it's great that we can finally talk about some actual football. Talk a little bit about systems, get a little bit more geeky again. Uh, but of course, the transfer activity is going to be ongoing. Um Frankie Dion, watch this space. You know, I think this is kind of where we stand now with Dion and both with Martinez. These are the two players that Man United are trying to get over the line. Yes, Rob will be back Friday. Uh, United play Liverpool after this podcast. Chances are you might have seen the game before you listen to this podcast. Uh, hopefully United don't lose 5-0. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. But they also play Melbourne on Friday. So we'll we'll do our next show after that game, pretty much off the back of it. Analyze the Liverpool game, analyze the Melbourne game as well. Talk about some tactical tweaks that we've seen, uh, identity, that kind of stuff. And also maybe touch on any transfer developments that have come to pass since as well. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Well, you can head over to subscribe to our podcast on our YouTube channel. Uh, You can subscribe to our show as well, wherever you get your podcast on audio platforms, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes of it. And we're on Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube and all those platforms. So head over to YouTube as well. Subscribe, the like button, join the community, leave a comment, et cetera, et cetera. And the link should be in the description of this episode. If you're listening on an audio platform, you can also follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. Rob, thank you very much. Catch you soon, mate. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And we will see you on Friday. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.